find me Don't be scared of yourself Don't be scared of me Don't be scared of yourself Hi, I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where a couple of friends sit around and discuss healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you today? I am great. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Have you had a good week this week? It has been. It has been a good week. Very busy with work. I think I told you kind of um, about that last week and just trying to do the best I can with the time I have right now. But other than that, yes, it is um, going very well. So I actually had something happen um, yesterday. I went um, out with a friend of mine and two other people and I was struggling a little bit Like I said, it's a busy time and I'm working really long hours and I was a little hesitant. Um, We went to to dinner and then went to a comedy club after that. And I was, part of me was second guessing if I like, should I go? Should I not go? I'm going to be tired. I'm going to, and I'm like, you know, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going. And so I was getting ready yesterday and I found myself not feeling good enough. Like being very judgmental to me. I was struggling with the way I look. I was struggling with, am I going to be, are they going to like me? Am I going to have, right, How am I going to be uncomfortable? Am I going to, right, all of these things were going around in my head of not being good enough. And I had to, (laughs) I was aware of it. I was, I paid attention to it. I felt it in my body. I felt that discomfort. I looked at what I was what I was thinking. I, I paid attention to my thoughts. And I actually had to stop. And I actually had to have a conversation with myself. Dawn, you are not, you have a lot to offer. You are a beautiful woman. There are things you could change about your yourself if you wanted to change. But obviously, they're not important. They don't bother you. So right, I, w- I really had to work through these thoughts in my head. Um, and it wasn't, it's like I'm, when I look at me in the mirror, I'm happy with who I am. I'm okay with who I am. I know what I bring to the table when I'm feeling good about myself and I'm feeling on point and I I can like I I got this I am like I am on I got this but yesterday there was something something happened some sort of little doubt got in my head and I I didn't let it sit long I'm not gonna say I did I didn't I didn't let it like build this story or anything like that. I knew where it was headed. I knew where I would, I could let it head, but I did. I stopped it and I really had to kind of give myself a pep talk. And when you say, sorry, when you say give yourself a pep talk, when you say had a conversation with yourself, is that like a metaphor for something? No, I literally had a conversation with myself. Like, oh, like, like you just looked in the mirror at yourself or, or like just thought to yourself and just talked to yourself. I didn't even like it was 
I talked to myself like literally like I was ta I'm talking to you right now. I was talking out loud. I was answering myself. I was literally having a conversation with me because I needed I do that all the time. Yeah, I needed to shift my way of thinking. And if I didn't have that out loud conversation, I don't think I would have been able to do it. I would have stayed in my head. So I went from, and I, and I, and I was real with myself. Like I wasn't like, you're this and you're this and you're great. And you're what I had this conversation of, and I, and I kind of alluded to her earlier was I, I am a plus size woman. I actually said, I'm like, Dawn, you are perfect the way you are. Right. If you don't like the way you were, the way you look, that is fine. Then do something about it. But if you are okay with the way you look, then leave it alone, but own it. And if you don't want to, if you want to change something about yourself, you can do that, but don't do it because of anybody else. Don't do it from the outside perspective. Do it from within you, right? You're moving your body. You're going to physical therapy. So you're, you know, so your back and your knees don't hurt. You are doing, you're being very dedicated in your stretches. You, you committed to drinking more water. You are committing to a healthier lifestyle. So why beat yourself up for that? You know exactly what you want. Don't make yourself less than if you're doing exactly what you are comfortable doing. Now, when you, when you were having that conversation with yourself, were you angry nope. and mean to yourself? Nope, not at all. I was very loving I was encouraging, but I was very matter of like, I don't want to say matter of fact, because it kind of sounds like it was, it's harsh, but I wasn't right. I just really was honest and I, I was trying to, it's really encourage myself that it's not about what anyone else thinks. If I love who I am and if I am okay with who I am, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It has nothing to do People don't like my personality because I'm a right. I'm a plus size woman. My they they literally have nothing to do with each other. Right, right. <laughs> and so many times, I think I know I kind of link everything together, and it's and I really right. tried to. I had to separate that stuff yesterday, and I did. I went from my personality to my to my to my to my, to my size my my ability to move my body to the way I look. I mean, I literally, this was probably a, probably a 15 minute conversation. And I did, I did it not in front of the mirror, but then I also did it in front of the mirror. And I had to go through and say, this is what I love about you. These are things that I don't love so much. Well, can you do anything about it? No, it's not something I can change because right, it'd have to be a surgery or something. I'm not doing that. So I love me exactly the way I am. That doesn't mean I have to think everything about me is beautiful and perf perfect because it's not. It's a, I have a reality of I had a 12-pound baby and my stomach, my lower stomach is shut. There's nothing I can do to change that other than go and have surgery. I'm not going to do that. But I look at that and I love it. Might not like it, but I love it because that's Colin. Because without that, I wouldn't have Colin. Right. Well, and not only that, but that's your body. It's my body. That's what carries your soul. That's, yes. That's your vessel through from this day to the next. And whether or not I think that is the most beautiful vessel sailing this ocean, 
I need to take care of my vessel. I need to make sure that my vessel is loved and and cared for and clean and right able to sail the ocean because how am I going to sail the ocean if my vessel is not safe? Right. And I and that was part of my conversation is Dawn you're doing when my hip started to bother me and I could not move the way I wanted to want to be able to move. Right, you know I love to kayak, um, and it was getting to a point, like, I couldn't even sit in a chair, so let alone trying to sit in a kayak with my legs straight out in front of me. You can either let it go, you can either continue to sit here in pain and let it control what you do with the rest of your life and how you spend the rest of your life, or you can do something about it. So I made an appointment with the doctor, and I've been in physical therapy since two weeks before I left to go to Texas. I now I'm Good. right so now every day I'm doing the stretches that I I've been given because I can't just my it's my, like you said it's my vessel it's my ship and that ship doesn't magically stay together right it takes effort to keep the holes out of it the leaks from getting you know getting in it that means I have to do what I have to do to take care of my vessel I need to drink more water. I need to be more mindful of the um, processed sugar I put in my body. I need to be more mindful of the way I treat myself, the way I talk to myself. And so I had that, I just, I had that happen, like I said, yesterday. And I just really, I took the time out of getting ready and all of that to have this conversation with myself and by the time I left, I'm like, I looked in the mirror and like, damn, you look pretty good. And I was feeling myself and I went and I had an amazing time. That's awesome. I was going to ask that, right? That was going to be my next question is how did you feel after this conversation? So that before this conversation, with only you in the room, talking only to yourself in a nice way, but a realistic way, mm-hmm. yet I want to say again, nice. Yes. You were able, so before this conversation, you were feeling not good enough, unhappy with yourself, dare I suggest not loving yourself very much. Yeah, exactly. And then simply through talking out loud to yourself as you would someone else that you loved, you began feeling, I think I heard you say joyful and amazing more yeah. words, I think you used. Yeah, I did. And... I felt beautiful, right? I and I didn't once at, like every once I was completely put together. I was dressed. I had my makeup on. My hair was finished, and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, "Okay, all right, Dawn, you got this. You look good. Now feel it. Let right." And I was because I was when I got there. Because, again, I was with two people. I only knew one of the people that was there, person that was there. The other two people I'd never met in my life. Because I was comfortable, because my mentality shifted with the way I was feeling about me. It was like I'd known these people for 10 years. wasn't like I had just met them. Because I was comfortable with Dawn. And once I was comfortable with Dawn, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I was me. My personality took over. I laughed and I fit in, right? Because I, I was being me. I was being who true to myself. I wasn't trying to be anybody but Dawn. 
And Dawn's a likable person. I, I agree with that 100%, by the way. Dawn is a very likable person. <laughs> um, I think that having a conversation out loud with myself, for a long time, um, and I'm sure people will still hear me say, I probably look crazy. Don't talk out oh. loud to yourself. I, right? I, I've always heard, right, you know you're insane if you're talking to yourself, if you're carrying on a conversation with yourself. I'm not quite sure if I'm saying it properly, but I've heard that many times over my life. Same. Um, and I now, through all of this work that I've done the past couple of years, I disagree with that 100%. I think that one of the best things I have ever done for myself is to speak to myself out loud as I would some other person that I love, my sister, my brother, my mother, my child, my yep. best friend, um, because I'm usually my own worst enemy. I would never, ever treat other people the way I have been known to treat myself. So now I treat myself like I would treat somebody else that I love. And the only way I can do that as of right now, at least I'm learning how to do it without this, but by having conversations out loud with myself, I think is how I have learned to treat myself the same way I would treat other people I've loved. You know, it goes beyond for me just the way I was feeling yesterday. I mean, when I, when I get in a situation where I feel myself starting to have one of those codependent slips or a spiral I have a conversation with myself then too um, well stop Dawn stop all right what are you feeling why are you feeling it what's your intentions and it's a conversation just like I would I would ask you the questions I would ask you I, I look at myself and I ask the same things and I've like you heard that all the time don't you know only crazy people talk to themselves right you're crazy you're crazy and I probably do look crazy in the car if somebody pulls up to me at a stoplight because I am talking to myself. Or well, I'm talking to Bluetooth these days. They don't know any difference. Exactly. <laughs> that is the yeah. Earphones and Bluetooth. Or I'm talking to my higher power, right? Because that's a great time to talk to my higher power is when I'm driving. That's my favorite time to do it. Same. Well, and so having conversations with ourselves and the way that we have conversations with ourselves, this made me think of a conversation that I was having with my mom today. She brought up someone that I, I love very much and that that person had felt abandoned when they were a child. And my very first response to her was, well, of course they felt abandoned. I left, Vic left, you left, dad was busy doing this and that, and, and she was itty bitty. Why would she not feel abandoned? Sorry, I tried to find a way to not make this be about my sister, but it clearly is. Now, sorry, Amber, I will talk to you before this airs. Anyways, she mentioned that, and I said, I said, of course she feels abandoned. Why would she not feel abandoned? There was no self-preservation there. There was no self-defense. There was no defense of hurting some my mom's feelings. That's who I was talking about, or talking to or my brother or my stepfather that's who I was talking about there was no no pre pretense of worrying about hurting their feelings I was talking about this seven or eight year old child whose siblings and mother completely left and disappeared for years and her father was drunk and in in his own world so she was alone and of course she would feel abandoned and of course she would feel 
hurt and betrayed and anger and sorrow and all of these other things. There was just, just nothing but complete and total understanding for her. But when I think about myself and the abandonment that I felt when I was no older than her, I get resentful of myself because I haven't let it go yet. I begin to feel defensive of the people that abandoned me at that age. I begin to feel angry because I wasn't able to prevent the hurt, right? So, so when, I, when I consider myself round about the exact same age and things that were 100%, right? Damn near the same type of situation, but just different details. And for someone else that I love, I'm very, very understanding, very compassionate, very willing to take responsibility off of that innocent child and give it to the older, more responsible parties. But when I look at myself as an innocent child, my first instinct is not to do that. My first instinct is those negative feelings that I should not feel towards my, that I, not that I shouldn't, right, that I need to work through so I don't feel towards me. And I think that having conversations out loud with myself about those things are the ways to help myself work through them as far as learning to be nicer to myself about them. I think one of the things we have to learn to do with ourselves is be patient. Having the conversation and finding the patience that we would probably have with someone else. Like you said, I'm like I'm my own worst own worst critic. I just don't have a lot of patience with myself and tolerance in certain situations. I think having having those conversations and putting it out there, it allows you to process it a little bit differently. I don't know about you, but when I when I get in my head and I just think about something, it's like this just it's like a hamster on a wheel. It just spins and spins and spins and spins and Yes. And it never gets louder and louder. Yes. But when I say it out loud, the spinning just isn't there. It's like I've said it. Now I can process it. Now I can do something with it. It's almost like for me, when I say it out loud, the response that follows comes from my higher power. Yes. I think that's what it is. Like putting it out there frees up the space for me to then bring in the response that my higher power was trying to give me or that my, my, right, what higher power, spirit guide, God, inner child, um, self, heart, instinct, God, I don't, whatever you want to call it, right? That I think that putting it out there just clears up the space for the other to come in. And I, one of the things that I have found when I don't say it out loud, when I just think it to myself, that's when I'm living in my denial because I'm, I haven't acknowledged it. There's something about when I say it out loud, I no longer am living in denial and avoidance. It's out there. Yeah. I've said it. Yeah. I can't take it back. Right. Once I speak it, it's spoken. Once I put words to it, it's real. It's not just some random thought. I've put it out there and it's real. 
when I have a conversation out loud, that anger or mean voice, that demoralizing voice, doesn't tend to speak out loud. Yeah. And that, I, that's, that's exactly what I found yesterday. All the negative was all the unspoken words. It was my brain. It was my head. It was old patterns, old thoughts. Right. So I say, I, I tell people that ask me all the time, and, and I think we may have talked about this last week. I don't remember now. But the things that come from my brain, the things that come from my head, in my opinion, are those outside things that were put in. Yep. The things I was told as a child, the things society told me, the things that aren't necessarily real. And those things are hard to get rid of. Yeah, oh yeah, they're really hard to get rid of. Again, I say, I think we mentioned this last week, you're literally developing new neural pathways in your brain. Mm. So when you think about how a brain works, it is electrons firing and they run down a neural pathway, kind of similar to electricity. When I am changing a habit, when I am changing a way of thinking, when I am changing a way of living, I'm literally having to form new neural pathways for those neurons to run on. And sometimes they get a quarter of an inch down that path and they're like, whoa, whoa, where do I go? I got to turn around and go the other way. And I got to be like, whoa, no, 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 there's a path here, I promise. We just got to follow it. We got to dig through these bushes and we'll get to the other side. But it takes some work to get there. It doesn't, right? It doesn't just happen. I didn't I'm just literally making a new path. The day after I came to found Coda, all of a sudden started having healthy conversations with myself. And that that's taken a lot of time. That is a one day at a time process. And I'm getting better at it. And I'm getting better at it. But that doesn't mean I'm still perfect at it. Because I like right, I'm still learning how to do it. Exactly. As long as I continue to do it. I can get better at it. But when I stop doing it, how do you get better at something you're not doing anymore? Right, right. Like if I teach myself how to ride a bicycle, I could become one of the greatest, right? I could, I could become great at jumping ramps, riding no hand. Shoot, I remember as a kid, I could ride no hand and all the way down to the cul-de-sac, go all the way around the curve, up the road, and down around the corner yep. with no hands. And yep. I was no problem. Put me on a bike and try to take my hands off that steering wheel right now and I'm gonna die like I'm gonna crash so bad because <laughs> well, I haven't done it yeah I actually a few a month ago pumped up my tires in my bicycle and went on and went on a bike ride and it's funny you bring that up because when I was riding I kind of had that flashback of wow I haven't ridden no handed in a long time I should try it and I tried <laughs> <laughs> I tried I think I lasted like a split second <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, I can't just, do this. Just enough, right, where you, you hover in your hands just above the steering wheel, just a little bit. Okay, I got it. Right? I'm like you. It's like I could ride through my entire neighborhood and never put my hands on the on the, the steering. Wouldn't even phase me. But now? Right. Couldn't even think about it. And you know, Not even in a straight line, let alone turning. <laughs> right. And I haven't rid- hadn't ridden a bike in a long time. When I got back on it the other day, it took a minute. Right? I know how to ride a bike. I've been riding a bike for a long time. But it's still, it wasn't as comfortable because I haven't done right. it. Right? We can get out of practice. We can get out of things we do every day. We, if we don't do them, our, yeah, we're going to remember how to do it. You right. know? You're still going to be able to do it. It's yeah. just not going to be as easy. 
Right. It's not going to be quite as familiar. So I have it's to. It's going to take a little bit more knowledge. Correct. Awareness. Effort. Yeah. And so talking to myself, talking to my higher power is an everyday exercise. Because when yeah, I. It has to be. It's just like this, the stretches I'm doing. I, I notice the. If I don't do them one day, I notice that. Oh, I notice immediately. Oh, yep. Okay. Yep. Dawn, you didn't do your stretches, right? All the muscles yep. start tightening up again. And they're it's not. It's going to be similar to like my hand. I have a, a torn tendon in my thumb that's been eight weeks. And if I don't do the stretches every single day, I feel like like there's a really, really tight rubber band on yes. the inside of my hand keeping it closed. Yep. Now, right, those stretches hurt. God, they hurt like hell. They hurt. And afterwards, it's sore for a good 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Really, really sore. But I have motion in my hand the rest of the day. Exactly. That 30, 45 minutes of pain and, and stretching intensity, it's worth it. It is. And our brain is a muscle. So right? we have to stretch it. It might be hard, might hurt a little, but we got to do it because that's how we learn. Yeah, for sure. And the more we do it, the easier it becomes. Mm-hmm. So you said earlier about how your sister, you know, everybody kind of abandoned your sister. And is that something she's expressed or is that a story you guys have made up for her? Well, so she has expressed it. Once to me a couple of years ago while we were drinking, and that's why my mom brought it up today as they, they were talking the other day, and she had expressed some of it to my mother as well. Okay. Now, it's not my story to tell. It's my sister's story to tell as far as that goes. Um, however, from my perspective, right, I am, I am six years older, five and a half years older than my sister, and... I remember before I went to school in the morning, I used to have to walk her to school. I would do her hair. I would help her with homework. I would help her eat her dinner. I would, right? Like, I was her mom for a very long time. I did all of the mom things. My mom was unable to. My stepdad was working or drinking. I would get her up for school. I would get her, make sure she got to school, I would get her from school, make sure she got home, make sure her homework was done, make sure her hair was brushed and her teeth were brushed and she was in bed at a decent hour and I was also the one to take her out to play. I was also the one to talk to her, right? So I I was sister and I was mom. I was also the one that my mom and my siblings were able to take their anger out of. Right. So my mom was very physically and verbally abusive to me. And my brother and my little sister were also very mean to me. My sister wasn't when she was young, but then it changed right before we left when she was able to be because that was our that was our routine in our house. Right. My mom, my mom would be abusive to me. I would cry to my stepdad about it. He would get drunk. He would do to my mom what she did to me. And then my brother and sister would do whatever to me because my mom was angry at me because my dad was angry at her. Mm. Um, so myself, and now, right, when we're, we're talking ages here, I was 12 or 14. I was 12 when I moved in with my biological father. So we're talking 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds. 
my youngest daughter is 11, and I cannot imagine her going through what any of myself my, or my brother or my sister went through at 11 years. So then at 12, my sister was, gosh, she was seven to put ages on this. She was only seven and I was 12. I moved in with my biological father. My mother went into a mental institute. My brother came with me to our father's house. And my sister and stepfather went and stayed at a friend's apartment and then moved into somebody else's basement and then moved into somebody else's basement and then lived in a trailer um, where he would go to work in the morning and she would go to bed before he got home at night so she wouldn't have to deal with the alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't, dad was just wrong. Alcohol can make people angry or alcohol can make people happy. But no matter how they feel or how they act when they're drinking, it's not, for the person that's not drunk, it's not really genuine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially as a child, right? I remember thinking back and looking at a drunk, anyone as, as drunk and just thinking that they, they just, like it was just a show. It was just an act. It was just a game. It didn't count. It wasn't. Even the negative, even the really bad, it just didn't count. It just wasn't real. I've always thought that as as a child, as a young So when I moved in with my biological father, when I moved in with my dad, I just didn't. I had no contact with my mom for probably, God, I was 16 when I finally had contact with my mom again. 15. So for probably three or four years, I had zero contact with my mom. I had zero contact with my stepdad. And by default, zero contact with my baby sister, right? So for her, from, from, from my looking at her perspective, here's this six-year-old child who her 12-year-old sister was her mom, and now her sister is gone, her brother is gone, her mother is gone, and her dad is at work and drunk. Finally, she was probably 10 or 11 when we saw the first time again and even then it wasn't regular right I'd see her and then we lived an hour and a half away and I was 16 17 had my daughter at 18 and that's really when our relationship kind of developed I was 18 and my sister was 14 so it was probably a good eight years six, eight years that we really, right, I went from being her best friend, her sister, her confidant, her mom, basically, to being 100% non-existent. We didn't talk on the phone. We didn't write letters. We didn't see each other. And then all of a sudden, I moved back in with my stepdad. When I when I came back to New York, I, my, him and my mom were back together for a little bit. I moved back in with them and my sister and I developed a relationship. I, I had my daughter and we began to get close at that point. But the abandonment, right, from her perspective, we all just left her. And, and at that age, how can you possibly understand any, anybody else's perspective? And then the flip side of that and the other perspective of that was mine, right, at at 11 and 12 years old, the only thing I cared about was getting the hell out of where I was. And here I am taking responsibility for leaving my sister, but I didn't have any freaking option, right? Reality is my mom went into a mental health facility. She, she did not have 
and my stepfather had no legal guardianship over us. So by court of law, we moved in with my dad. Yes, it was what we wanted. Yes, I had begged for it for years. Yes, I made life hell for my mom to try to get it. Um, and I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't happy when I got it. But I didn't even, like, like I didn't even think about my little sister. I didn't think about what life would be for her. I didn't think about um, anything other than getting out of what I pictured as hell for me. Why do we carry? You just said when I was 11, 12 years old, and I was, and she was six, seven years old, <laughs> you were taking on, you were a child taking on adult responsibilities. And I did the same thing. I was, I very much had the same kind of, um, my sister's seven years younger than me. And I, I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, I kind of assumed that, that role of her as her mom. And, and my mom and I've talked about it and my mom admits she's like, I knew you could do it. I knew that you were old enough to take care of yourself and to take care of it. And so I let you, I, I understand that. I mean, but you were 11 years old. I was 11 years. We were, we were babies ourselves taking on these adult responsibilities that we had no business taking on. We didn't know. We had no, you had no clue. I had no clue how to take care of myself, let alone take care of another person. Right. And why do we beat ourselves? Why do we beat ourselves up when we? So I can tell you exactly why right now I'm beating. Like, like okay. why do why? So I am beating myself up for leaving my sister at that age because we have yet to talk about it, right? Because I have yet to tell her that if I had been older, I would have done it differently. Because I have yet to tell her that. I was too wrapped up in my own fear and my own self to even think about anybody else because, right, because we have yet to discuss because of the fear of what bringing those old things up could cause. We've yet to discuss it. And I think that's the way it is in a lot of situations in my family, a lot of situations in a lot of families, fear that, and I know she would never, I'm sorry, sis, I'm going to use you though. Right? An example, I know she would never, my sister adores me, I adore her, I know that without a doubt. But fear that I would say to her that I love her and I'm sorry that I was unable to consider her and I was, I was too young, right? And fear that she would look at me and say something like, well, that's just not good enough. She would never, ever, ever say anything like that. But I think that that's what has stopped me from having this conversation with her over the last several years. Because you are telling yourself a story of what she's going to say. And of course it's a negative story. Of course. Because I can't forgive myself, so how could she forgive me? My sister and I had a falling out, well, it's been 10 years ago now. A few years ago, well, the beginning of COVID, um, I, my sister actually said, you should come up here to India. She's in Northern Indiana. So I, I started going up there a few times a year during COVID because I could go up there. It was safe. I was, you know, we'd stay in her, at her house and it was all good. And my dad was, is buried up there. And so 
it was a couple years into my journey with CODA and I had really taken a full, like I kind of had worked through that situation with him and let a lot of that go. And I said, I want to go to the cemetery one more time. And I am not a cemetery person. I do not feel you, that is just your carcass. (laughs) That is not that is not the person. And so I'm not one of those people that I have to go visit the cemetery. And I know some people do not agree with that or, um, and, but that's, that's my, that's how I feel. But I did tell my sister, I want to go to the cemetery. And I said, I want to go one more time and I'm never coming again. I'm never going again because I kept carrying some weight with me. And so her and I drove up there and it was about a 40 minute drive from her house. It was just the two of us. And we get out we go stand in front of the, you know, the tombstone. And I don't know how we got on the topic, but we started talking about some of my memories and some of the stories that happened to me with my parents. And after she sat there, she didn't say a word. She just, she let me talk. And she, you know, she, um, you know, she'd ask a question to, you know, clarify something like that. But as far as interrupting to, Nothing at all. She just listened. And when I when I was done, and I probably, I shared numerous stories with her. She's like, she looks at me, she's like, oh my God, I never knew you went through that. I'm so sorry that you had to be the one to bear all of that. And that it's moment. It's to realize what each other doesn't remember or know or realize. Right. And by, by being able to again say that stuff out loud to acknowledge it to not just let it fester in me for the first time in my entire life someone looked at me and said i am sorry you had to go through that thank you for taking care of me thank you for going through that for me but i'm sorry you had to go through that Gave, she gave me the, a huge hug. Of course, we were crying. And in that moment, everything that had happened with my sister up until, you know, into that point, and my sister was my best friend. Um, we lived together um, after I had Dylan. Um, we were the best of friends. And I let my second ex-husband get in the way of that. And so the relationship kind of, because I wasn't happy and I was going through my own stuff, I could, I wasn't the best person I could be at the time. And in that moment, it all kind of just went away. And I was able to like forget, I was able to just forgive myself. I was able to kind of just, ah, okay, that's, I don't have to carry that anymore. Somebody acknowledged all the stuff that I was feeling that it was a it was a bunch of bullshit and I shouldn't have had to go through it. It might not have been the per, the person that allowed me to have to go through that stuff, but it didn't matter because for for finally for for once I was somebody said to me, "I'm sorry." Just to actually hear you and acknowledge what you went through and not have any expectation right from it, like 
like your sister wasn't waiting for you to fix anything or wasn't trying to fix anything. She simply listened and said, I am so sorry you went through. Yeah. Like just that, just that acknowledgement and getting it off your chest and, and no blame or, or guilt or, well, you should have done this or you should have done that. Or it, It's amazing what that can do for us. And not only amazing what that can do for ourselves. But imagine what that did for your sister. Yeah. Right? So one of the biggest things that freed me from my resentment towards my mother was the ability to understand why, what brought her to the point that she got to, and the mental health and the previous history and what caused it. So if I could imagine that, my little sister was carrying resentments with me because of things that I said or I did to gain that little bit of understanding and compassion that allows for letting go of those resentments. Imagine how much that helped her. You know, there was something with when I've shared stories with my mom or I've talked to my not shared stories, but talked to my mom about certain things. A lot of times I get Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. And what that does is once again invalidate what I was fe- what I'm feeling, what I what I know, what I lived. And I did not have a horrible childhood. I was not physically abused. I was not I had everything I could ask for. Outside looking in, people would have thought I had a I I had a perfect childhood. But that doesn't mean what you see from the outside does not, we don't know what's going, goes on behind closed doors. I know you and I have had very, we had very different upbringings. But we're sitting here with very similar issues. <laughs> and so. Absolutely. It doesn't, you know, I don't want anyone to think that I can't relate or you can't relate. It does, it's not about exactly what we went through in our childhood I was still abandoned by the people that were supposed to love me and not abandon me. You were abandoned by people that were supposed to love you and not abandon you. Right. Um, My little sister was abandoned by people who were supposed to love her. Right. Even though it was different. None of it was the same. It was very different. Right. I was abandoned by my mother who went into a mental health facility. I was abandoned by my father three times. First, when he moved to California when I was itty-bitty. Second, when he signed over his parental rights. And third, when I moved out of this house at 14 years old. Right? I was a, My little sister was abandoned by myself, my brother, my mother, and my stepfather. You were abandoned by people who lived in your... Like, it, it doesn't have to be the same situation. No. Right? Children can feel abandoned by other children. Even though... I didn't have a choice in leaving, even though I wanted to, even though, right, your mom didn't intentionally abandon you to raise your little sister. She wasn't like, oh, I'm going to hurt Dawn by letting her raise her little sister. Right. But it still hurt just the same. My dad wasn't there. He was there, but he was traveling. He was working. He... He, you know, my mom didn't have to work, but he was gone almost 90% of the time because 
that's that's what he he was trying to provide for his family. Well, I, that was for me was an abandonment because still he gone. was yeah he was still gone. He wasn't there. And I right gone is gone, and it doesn't matter why for a child. Gone is gone. Yep. It, it doesn't matter. It could be death. It's okay to feel abandoned by someone who died when I was a child. My mom has that issue. Gone is gone. Um, working with my talking with my mom through all of this stuff, and when we were as we were talking about a bunch of the questions and stuff, and about her childhood and. That's one of the things she got. She did not realize how angry she was at her mother for dying and abandoning her. She had cancer. Right. It wasn't, and it wasn't when the day she died that was the problem. It was the fact that she struggled for, you know, for I think it was three years and couldn't be the mother that she needed. Well, how do I expect... or not how do I expect, but how does my mother learn to be a mother after the age of 12 when her mother isn't a mother because she can't be a mother. She can't take care of her daughter. She's trying to break, she's trying to live. And I, and my mom never learned to be a mother beyond a certain age. Never learned to be a mother beyond what her mother was able to right so I'm not the same mother my mother was I am a very very different mother and I love you mom I am a better mother isn't that our goal for our children though is to be a better mother than we are to be a better person than we are um right like like I know (laughs) I got in a fight with my daughter a few weeks ago and one of the ways she tried to undercut me was well, I'm going to be a better mom than you. And I kind of turned around and the anger started to be there. And then the realization came in that, well, I hope you are a better you're mom. You're right. If you're a better mom than me, then I did my job. And how in the hell did I do that job when nobody taught me how to do it? So the credit I give myself for being a better mom than my mom I also have to give to my mom for being better than what she had. Was it perfect? No. Was it right? Not a lot of the times. Did she make mistakes? Absolutely. Was I hurt? Absolutely. But were you a perfect mother all of the time? Hell no. Right? Did you? And, and, and I had a hell of a lot more growth than she had. I had a hell of a lot more tools. I had a hell of a lot more. Right? So... It's not about this being worse than that. One trauma being worse than another trauma. Trauma is bad. Mm-hmm. Trauma hurts. Trauma is trauma. Who I am is what allows me to deal with it in a certain way. There is no trauma that's worse than the other, right? I could have had the perfect life except that my mom was mentally ill and had to go to a mental health facility. And I could still feel the exact same way now that I felt then. I could have the absolute perfect ideal American dream home and still feel exactly like I do now. Because it's not about my parents. It's about me. Exactly. I created it. It's not about 
the part of town. It's not about how much is in the bank account. It's not whether the house is 5,000 square feet versus 700 square feet. None of that matters. None of that plays a factor in how I feel. Logically, like I said, I can sit here and logically know my father did not abandon me. He was working. He was a president of an, of an RV company. He was traveling between Florida and Indiana, Florida and Indiana, nonstop, all over the country because he was in sales. He was doing what he had to do or what he felt he had to do to provide the lifestyle that he wanted for me. He didn't abandon me. Mm-hmm. I I understand that mentality, right? That's all I've done my entire life is work to, t- to take care of my children. But it doesn't change the fact that I felt abandoned because he wasn't around. Right. Logic and my feelings, they don't always match up. A lot of times they don't match up. It's, for me, a lot of what recovery has been was connecting the dots between logically knowing something and emotionally feeling that same thing. Right? For a long time, I would say, oh, I know I am who I am because of what I went through. But I still hated everything I went through. How in the world can I be grateful for what I went through and still hate what I went through? I didn't understand that. I do now. I do because of the work that I've done. I do understand that, yes, what I went through sucked. Yes, what I went through hurt. Yes, I hate what I went through. I, I, I wish I hadn't have gone through it in, in a lot of ways. And at the same time, I would not be who I am had I not gone through what I was. And I have now connected those on a both emotional and logical level, where for a long time I simply couldn't. I knew it logically, but I didn't really feel it. The resentment was still there. So this is a really good transition to a topic that I would would love to talk about next week. It's one I am very, very passionate about. It's one of those topics in the beginning of um, you and I connecting that you were like, what the hell, Dawn, really? <laughs> um, and that's gratitude and yes. understanding and how do you get to that point. And so you kind of took that nice little transition um, f- for us. So let's next time, let's maybe visit the topic of gratitude and talk about how how we found it, how we keep it, what it means to us, what that looks like. Sounds like a plan. Well, I love this topic tonight. It's so funny because, and just a little behind the scenes, um, every most, this is like having a plan of what we're going to talk about next week normally doesn't happen. Normally we get on and I'm like, let me get the mic adjusted. And you're like, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) And then half the time we say we're going to talk about something and we talk about something different. I know. (laughs) <laughs> but that's that's that is what I love about this. So that is just a little behind the scenes of how we really don't we don't plan this. It's just this conversation that we would have whether anyone was listening or not. Natural. Natural. All right, Ashley, um have a great week. Please everyone get go out to your favorite podcast streaming service. Um check us out, like us, follow us. Do download the, download um go to the website we would love to have questions we would love to have people comments yes um and we will share those conversation comments and um questions on the uh, on the following podcast and we'll talk about them so any topic that you 
that you find important or you want to hear more about. Get on. But yeah, bring it on. I mean, we're both open to answering any of your questions, whether they're about a situation you're in or... And or might... even if... Sorry, again. No, please, go. if you disagree with us. Yes. Like, like even if you, if you hear something that you disagree with, please shoot us an email, send a comment, post about it. We're happy to have that conversation. The best way of getting in new ideas is to be able to evaluate those old ones and the current ones. And part of this journey is being able to open myself up, open my brain up to look at a different perspective on my life. Absolutely. So thank you all everyone for joining us and listeners for, you know, being here. Again, reach out please with your questions. Um, one of the things we do on our um, on the website is we have a song of the month. So if you have a song of the month, you um, some a song that touches you and it means something to you, please share that as well. We want to give you what you need, what you're looking for. Not only just what we like to talk about. And I appreciate every single one of you. Thanks for listening. And uh, once again, it's been another amazing conversation. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Ashley. And I will talk to you next week. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it. I will find you. You will ask, what will you do when you find me? I will find you. Give the answer to your question. What will I do when I find you? I don't have to think. I don't have to prepare myself. When I find you, I don't have to think. I don't have to prepare myself. But I will find you to make things as they were to see.